Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. In this week's episode, we're going to be recapping the Thanksgiving games. We're then going to be previewing Week 12 action of the NFL, and we're slightly going to go over some recent activity, I guess you could call it, in the NBA, what's been going on, what I've been taking away from it, and what I've been thinking about some of the teams. So without any further ado, we're going to get right into some of the recap from the Thanksgiving games. We're going to start right at the beginning with the Bears and the Lions. Let's be honest, most most of you guys probably didn't watch this game. If you did, you were probably bored out of your mind. This is a team that, teams, I guess, that are not performing very well. Obviously, the Lions haven't even won a game this year. This felt like the who gives a shit bowl simply because these teams stink. I'm a Bears fan, and this still felt like an absolute chore watching. I just hated the way the Bears played. The run wasn't working well enough, but at the same time, we weren't staying patient with it at all. I just hate the idea of Andy Dalton throwing the ball 39 times. I honestly think a large part of that was Matt Nagy compensating and trying to see that, not even see, just prove to both the fans, the front office, Todd Phillips, who's um, the player personnel he's not um he's above ryan pace so he's the one who hired ryan pace and matt Nagy. i think he's just really trying to show that he can air it out and that he still deserves a job in this league i also think that he was just kind of shitting himself after those reports of him getting fired because even if he wasn't told about all that when you hear rumors like that i can guarantee you you get slightly put on edge so i really think he was trying to compensate for that really trying to get andy to throw the ball downfield more just so he could show that you know he's a creative coach and he can lead a successful offense led by a decent quarterback so again i really think he was compensating for that but beyond that part of me truly believes if deandre swift doesn't get injured then the lions just straight up win this game I mean, thank God, because I would have been pissed as hell if we gave the Lions their first win, but I truly thought we were going to uh, before the game started. Regardless, it's very clear the Lions are limiting what they're asking from from Goff. It was just so much dink and dunk, and honestly, if if it weren't for the difference in the time of possession, they probably would have won doing this. That's This is why I think if DeAndre Swift is on the field, this is just an absolute different game, and it was such a backbreaker for them that the he got injured so early in this game. I think if they can just stick with the run game and have DeAndre on the, his normal check down, you know, just get yards after catch type ability, I really think they could have pulled out the win in this game. But either way, thank God they didn't. Unless you're a Bears or a Lions fan, you didn't care about this game anyways, and honestly, you didn't learn much from it anyways either. Just two terribly run teams doing terribly run teams things, what they do, um, basically choking games away. The Bears just happened to have three more minutes of possession, and that ended up being the difference at the end of it all. The next game is obviously the most entertaining game from all the Thanksgiving games. It's the Raiders at the Cowboys. This was the Thanksgiving game we all watched, on the other hand, and it was a hell of a game. Like, seriously, it was a hell of a game. So, obviously, I got to address what everyone's talking about right off the bat, and it's the penalties. Yeah, the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Cowboy fans probably want to find where Anthony Brown lives and egg his house right now. Even though, even with how many penalties he had, it wasn't really about that. Because he only had four penalties. I think the team as a whole had, like, 
18 or something ridiculous like that. But it was when he got them and how many yards he gave the Raiders. Just him by himself gave them 91 yards. And beyond this, there was just way too many penalties on the Cowboys. Oh, I have, have it here, actually. It was 14 penalties in total for the Cowboys, adding up for 166 yards. Yeah, that's right, 166 yards. Anthony Brown, of course, making up 91 of them. So making up a good majority of them, just obviously not what you like to see at all. And sticking with the Cowboys for a second, but moving past their penalties, because even past these penalties, this game obviously went to overtime. It was extremely close. And you have to kind of give the Cowboys some credit for keeping it that close while also giving up that many penalties. But, I mean, Dak clearly missed his tackle in this game. Tyron Smith didn't play. He clearly missed CeeDee Lamb. He clearly missed Amari Cooper. Just a lot of miscommunications between receivers. We saw a few drops from his receivers. Obviously, Michael Gallup is the best receiver there when Amari and CeeDee are in the field. And that was in full display. There were some really big shots to them down the sidelines. Clearly a very good connection between him and Dak. Dak, but I think that's truly because Dak is that's the one receiver on that team he's very used to of course Dalton Schultz shined a little bit because that connection is still there too he's very used to playing with Dalton but outside of that he's normally normally not used to consistently throwing to guys like Cedric Wilson Noah Brown those type of players even Michael Gallup's role was much elevated in this game like it normally isn't but regardless it worked out for him and I mean, despite all the mishaps, the Cowboys genuinely should have won this game, and the fact that it went to overtime again, as I've said before, was honestly amazing. So to wrap it up on the Cowboys, I think they're going to be completely fine. I'm not worried about them in the slightest. I still think this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I still think they're going to win their division. I still think they're going to be... Um, Probably the third or the fourth seed in the NFC, kind of depending on how the Buccaneers end off their season. I think it's pretty clear the Packers and the Cardinals are going to be the one and two seed. Unless the Rams somehow manage to catch the, the Cardinals, but that's neither here nor there. My point is, I'm not worried about the Cowboys. I think this game says a lot more about the Raiders, and Derek Carr deserves a lot of credit. I don't want to take anything away from him by saying that the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot over and over again, because they did. But let's be honest, he played a great game. He had great pocket presence the entire game. You have to give him credit for drawing attention to receivers who were interfered with because at the end of the day, a lot of those calls might go uncalled unless he throws the ball the direction of Deshaun Jackson, of a Zay Jones, of a Brian Edwards, guys who were interfered with very consistently. And he was consistently targeting those players that were interfered to draw the attention of the refs to it. And I think that there is something that has to be credited with that. I don't know if he directly noticed that they were being interfered with, but regardless, it ended up working out very, very well for them. And if he did, that's a huge credit to him because that's very impressive to do, especially... I genuinely don't think he noticed on that Deshaun Jackson deep shot. I think he was just trying to go for it all. And that was the Anthony Brown penalty in the end zone where they ran it in just on the one yard line with Josh Jacobs. But I mean, if he did, all credit to him. Even if he didn't, it was a perfect decision. And that pass interference was very meaningful. And if he didn't target Deshaun there, who knows? The refs might not even notice it. Again, it's you can say whatever you want to say, but I, I give a lot of credit to him for saying that. And I also thought he played very well considering who he was throwing to. You've got to keep in mind, Waller went down with injury in this game. Obviously, Henry Ruggs is no longer there. There was new guys that were shining, such as Deshaun Jackson, as I brought up earlier. And 
that's I mean that's a great credit to Derek Carr, his veteran leadership, and also his ability to just keep calm and collected. Because there was a lot of times where they were up in this game, the Cowboys kind of felt like they were mounting a comeback, and there was never once a moment of panic between Derek Carr and his boys, especially with again who he was throwing to. Their offensive line played just well enough. Obviously, Micah Parsons was continuously continuously to be just disruptive as hell. He's obviously the defensive rookie of the year so far. There's not much. Not much of a of an argument there. That's just enough said. Michael Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. But yeah, got to give credit where it's due. The Cl- the Cowboys are Cowboys. The Cowboys are clearly the far more talented team. But the Raiders took advantage of great scenarios. Derek Carr played great, and overall they were just very effective when they had to be. Still not thinking that this team is a playoff team. Um, I mean, it'd be awesome if they could. It's obviously a better place. The NFL is a better place when the Rams are, or excuse me, when the Raiders are doing well. But regardless, I was impressed with how they played. I thought that Derek Carr, anyone who's saying that Derek Carr is the issue in Las Vegas, I almost called him Oakland, is clearly not watching and just honestly using him as a scapegoat because he's playing excellent football. He's played excellent football all year. With the only game that he didn't play very well in was being the Giants game. I mean, the Cowboys defense is much better than this Giants defense. So you got to give him credit where it's due. And yeah, it was a fun game to watch. Good for the Raiders. Cowboys are going to be just fine. Moving on to the next game, New Orleans versus Buffalo. Honestly, not too much to say here. I mean, Sean Payton and Drew Brees clearly miss each other. Uh, Drew was talking a lot about his old days in New Orleans, about his days playing there in Thanksgiving games and stuff like that. He did a great job commentating, by the way. That was really cool to see him on there commentating this game simply because obviously it's his old team and his knowledge of the game is just so extensive that it was just a really it was a treat honestly it was it was great to see um we all miss you drew drew Brees is obviously a legend there in new orleans so i'm sure that even though the fans that got there and were disappointed by the outcome they were just happy to know that drew Brees was calling that game and honestly realistically i don't think they had too much of a shot in this game anyways the bills were clearly just the far more talented team they were obviously playing with a chip on their shoulder after getting absolutely embarrassed by the colts last week and their defense completely suffocated a beat up saints offense i mean you gotta you gotta give them credit where it's due again not saying if alvin Kamara or um armstead their tackle i'm forgetting his first name right now is it eric no that's the guy on the niners what's what's uh tehran is tehran armstead right i don't know I, I could just be making up names but regardless they were very beat up in this game uh i'm not saying they would have won if they had those guys but i mean it definitely wouldn't have hurt it definitely would have been a lot more competitive and this was just an utter ass whooping the saints are still pretty confused as a team overall uh, they're a very talented defense, clearly, but they have zero offense helping them out. Uh, Trevor Simeon is clearly not the answer there. I mean, no one thought he would be. He's basically their third-string quarterback, if you're including Taysom Hill on the depth chart. Again, not too much to say here, except the AFC race, AFC East race excuse me, is going to be very compelling. Josh Allen is still not quite looking like himself from last year. He threw a couple picks in this game. Uh, They were consistent with what we've seen all year, and those types of plays are going to be deal breakers when playing against teams on the upper echelon of the AFC, such as, you know, playing the Chiefs again, such as playing the Patriots, who are playing excellent football right now, and really taking advantage of the mistakes team are presenting to them. So in conclusion, the Saints are a very lackluster, beat-up offense, but they're very well coached on both sides of the ball. I still really love what I'm seeing from their defense. I think their defense is just still absolutely excellent. 
And I'm still not necessarily convinced the Bills are the best team in their division. I still think that the Patriots could give them a lot of trouble. I think if Josh Allen doesn't pick up his play and start reducing the mistakes, they could seriously run into a buzzsaw in the Patriots who are looking like the hottest team in football right now. And also have a huge game coming up this week against the Titans, which is going to be one of my best bets. I'm going to say it now. I don't have a lot of best bets this week, but the ones I do... I do like our mostly favorites, so take that as you will. I know a lot of people don't like it when I do that, and I just take favorites. A lot of people just want me to talk, take dogs every single picks, but hey, sorry. It's about making money. It's about strategy, and I see a lot of opportunity for making some money here. So the first game, obviously I've already alluded to it, is going to be the Patriots versus the Titans. I love the Patriots in this matchup. This spread is growing and growing, obviously, so maybe you want to play it safe and take the money line of the Patriots here, but as you guys know, I'm more of a spread guy myself. I always like to focus on the spreads of these games. By the way, if I haven't mentioned this in the last few pods, all these odds are provided by CBS Sports. Uh, go over there and check them out yourself. I'm sure the odds are very similar on basically all platforms. So they shouldn't be too different on your whatever platform you're using to place your bets. Right now, the spread is at seven, seven flat. It opened at six and a half, if I'm not mistaken. I can actually double check. It's right here in front of me. Let me do that really quick. It's up here. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, so it started at, no, actually, no, it didn't. It, I mean, According to this, it started at seven. It's staying at seven. But yeah, New England's favored by seven. As you guys know, the Patriots are one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in football right now. I'm not saying the Titans are in free fall or anything, but A, they're extremely beat up right now. It doesn't look like A.J. Brown's going to play. Julio Jones is still out. We obviously know Derrick Henry's not going to be playing this game. Even the backup to Derrick Henry, Jeremy McNichols, is looking a little beat up right now. And... B, this just really feels like a sputtering offense. Of course, those injuries are not helping at all, but they just feel very one-dimensional right now. With Derrick Henry being gone, their run game is almost non-existent. And if A.J. Brown is out, this could seriously get really ugly, which it's sounding like he's going to. It's He's not on a great pace to play this game. And even if he is, I don't think it's worrying Bill Belichick at all. I just... I think Bill's just going to make sure he has a quiet day. We know that's what Bill likes to do. He like we like we. He likes to take away the strength of a team. Obviously the strength of their team right now with Derrick Henry being out, with Julio Jones being out is AJ Brown catching the ball. And as we know, in a lot of these games that the Titans have won recently, it's because their defense has bailed them out. We saw that against the Rams, and we saw that against, honestly, in both Colts game as an example, we saw that. But Mac Jones has been very mistake-free. He's been playing Patriot football. I think that there's a very good chance we could see a lot of mistakes come out from Ryan Tannehill because of his unfamiliarity with the rest of his offense around him because so much of his offense is built around him. We obviously just saw him throw four picks against the Texans three of them being extremely egregious if you're throwing four picks against the Texans this New England Patriots team which is looking like they probably have the best defense in the NFL in my opinion you're going to make a lot more mistakes than that unless you clean them up so again I just don't really think it's a good matchup here uh as we know the I didn't say this earlier. The Rams defense is, I mean, excuse me, the Titans defense is playing absolutely amazing football. They've caused a lot of quarterbacks to make mistakes, but Mac Jones has just been very mistake free. And I think that the Titans are going to die by a thousand paper cuts here. I think we're going to see a lot of dink and dunk from Mac Jones, just a lot of mistake free football. And we're going to see them run the shit out of the ball, limit their mistakes and force Ryan Tannehill to be playing catch up and 
Ryan Tannehill in a game script like this without his star receivers, I think we could see a lot of mistakes here. And I think that the Patriots win by more than seven points. I'm saying they win 24 to 14. I'm seeing they I'm saying they keep the Titans to only two scores and win fairly generously. Obviously, the over under this game right now is at 43 and a half. So I'm kind of liking that under with that score I just said being quite under there. But that's not really my forte. That's not really my specialty. So I just like the Patriots to cover their spread there. Moving on to the next game. This is a game that, honestly, these next two games, I would have never thought I would have even talked about. But as far as the odds go, I really like them. So we're going to start with the Jets at the Texans. I really like the Texans here. I just think there's so much chaos going on at the Jets right now. There's so much. There's like a rotating room of quarterbacks. It just feels like they can't get the right guy there um and that's not their fault i mean they they've got a whole bunch of more problems outside of the quarterback for example their defense is virtually last in every statistic right now regardless before i go any further a lot of people are saying that robert sala is doing a terrible job coaching the jets and that he should be on the hot seat i don't think that's fair i mean it's his first year there the jets have been historically bad for some time now they are a, not a very well-run organization at all. I just don't think you can just throw out Sala like that and just really just leave him up to hang before the season's even over. I mean, the Jets have so many more problems than him right now. But yeah, back to what I was talking about. The Jets' defense is basically last in every defensive statistic right now. And we saw their defense, excuse me, we saw the Texans defense make a ton of plays against Tannehill last week, and I think they're going to do a similar thing to Zach Wilson, who's sounding like he's going to play this week. And I think Tyrod's going to do what Tyrod does. He's going to manage the game. He's going to make the right decision. He's going to take what the defense gives him. And then we, we're going to see when there's nothing there, he can get outside the pocket and scramble a little bit. And we've seen him win with this formula before in Buffalo. He just makes low-risk throws, gets a run game established, and gets his own running game established when nothing's there so i mean a ton of teams are doing this and finding a lot of success right now i mean philadelphia is doing this baltimore's been doing this with lamar jackson obviously at an insanely successful rate because lamar jackson's just a crazy talent but i mean shit even san francisco is doing it when trey lance was playing and so what i'm trying to say is i think that with all the inconsistencies on the Jets, as particularly on the offensive side of the ball with michael carter being out now who's probably their best offensive player it's i think we're going to see a ton of mistakes from zach wilson here i think we're going to see the bend don't break approach and then i think it's all going to collapse like a like a house of cards i think that once you pull one of those cards out and i don't know once the texans get the taste of blood once they make one defensive play once zach wilson throws one of those picks i think it's all going to be over from there because i think the texans can just outmanage this game and the spread's only at two and a half right now the texans are obviously favored so that you don't need a whole lot to cover that you just need one field goal right and i think they're probably going to win by more than that i think they're going to win by a touchdown in this game i think the final score is going to be 20 to 27 again that's a little high scoring i could see like a 17 24 type game in here but regardless i really like the texans to win and cover moving on to the next game again two teams i didn't really think i'd be talking about this late into the year but i mean hey one of them still partially alive and the other one at least has been competitive with some of the teams they've been playing against recently. I'm talking, of course, of Miami versus Carolina. This game is in Miami. Carolina is favored by two points here. This is a very similar situation to the Jets and the Texans. I really like Carolina here. 
we still know that Carolina's defense is elite, if not borderline elite, and they honestly lost themselves that game last week. I think they're going to be beating themselves up over that. The Panthers' offense put themselves in consistent positions to put this game away, but their defense just couldn't hold up, and I think that's mostly because of Heineke. I've been saying this. That dude has a really good connection with Terry McClory, and it's got Terry McLaurin, excuse me, and he's got some swagger about him and some confidence about him right now. But you know who doesn't have that swagger and that confidence is Tua Tungavailoa. Unfortunately, I think this could be a really rough one for Tua and the home crowd there. I think that we could hear some boos come out. Outside of the Ravens game, the Dolphins defense has been pretty awful all year. And I think it can have a potential to shine through this game as well. Having all those weapons in Carolina healthy and especially obviously as we know, Christian McCaffrey there healthy. I think it's really going to strain the Dolphins' defense. And in conclusion, I don't think Tua and his boys will able to be keep will be able to keep up with Carolina and all these weapons that are feeling very confident having Cam back and also Christian McCaffrey back. And I really just think they're juiced up. I really think that obviously this isn't very far travels. There's no time change here. They're just going down to a hot weather city, and I think that they're going to be able to suffocate Tua Tagovailoa, make him make a few key mistakes, and I think they're going to end up winning this game by more than two points here. I have a final score of, similar to the last game, I've got this final score at 17-24. I think this is going to be a pretty strong defensive effort by both teams, but right now I'm just, I'm liking what I'm seeing a more from Carolina, and I think two points is just a little too little on that spread. So I'm taking the points there, and I'm taking Carolina to win and cover. Finally, maybe this maybe this shouldn't be called the best bet. Maybe this should be called like like uh like put ten dollars on this game, and if it hits, it hits, and if it does, maybe this is like a for fun bet. I'm not gonna make this one of my best bets. I'll just say that those are my three best bets that you just heard before. This is a bet that. Um, maybe if you're a fan of the team I'm going to mention, you want to take them. Maybe if you're feeling really confident in this team that I'm going to mention, you should take them. Uh, maybe if you're feeling really unconfident with the team that I'm picking against, then you should take the team I'm picking. But this is a, I'm talking about the Browns at the Ravens. I don't love this matchup for the Browns at all right now. I mean, we all know Baker is playing really, really bad football. They almost lost to the Lions a couple weeks ago with Tim Boyle throwing two interceptions and only throwing 77 yards. Gross. I don't think he's going to be able to take advantage of this Ravens team, which has been very bad against the pass all year. And I think we could just see, obviously, the, the reason why I'm not making this my best bet is because Kareem Hunt is back and Jack Conklin is back. And I think that the Browns are really just going to run the fuck out of the ball and try and never let the Ravens offense just get any breathing room at all. I think they're going to be playing catch up a lot of the time, but I mean, the real X factor and the real reason why I like the Ravens by more than three and a half points here is because of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is playing terrible football. He's extremely beat up. He has no receivers to throw to that he really likes outside of Jarvis Landry. And regardless, like sure, the, the Ravens pass defense is pretty beat up, but I mean, Marlon Humphrey's still there and Baker Mayfield is not playing well enough to take advantage of those matchups that he's going to see on the outside that other quarterbacks could take advantage of. So again, it's not a best bet or anything like that. I think we're going to see both of these teams run for like 200 yards. I think this could be just an absolute slugfest, a physical battle. These, these teams always play each other very, very hard. Obviously being a division rival, it's going to be very intense and it's going to have huge implications for the AFC North run. Uh, which obviously the, the Ravens are ahead right now. Let me check their standings actually because I've got them right in front of me. American Football Conference. 
Yeah, so they're seven and three. The Browns are a few games behind at six and five, or I guess, yeah, so two games behind, right? Is that how that works? I don't know. It's it gets confusing once you get to uneven losses and one one win behind, but whatever. It's it's very close. My point is, and these teams could play each other very close, but at the end of the day, I just hate how Baker Mayfield's playing. I don't think he's going to be able to take advantages of these matchups on the outside, and I think the Ravens are just going to burn the clock just enough. Hopefully slow down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just enough so they can get their own offense on the field and secured but even then we've seen Lamar come back from bad scenarios we've seen Lamar develop much better as a passer throughout the past I mean throughout this whole year honestly and yeah for all those reasons I just really like the Ravens here all right now just some games worth talking about some games that i want to just very quickly bring up these aren't best bets of course these ones are really not best bets these aren't for fun bets these aren't anything these are just games i want to talk about first we got to start with indianapolis at the bucks the real question of this game being can the buccaneers slow down jonathan taylor who's looking like the hottest player in football right now he's seriously getting mvp candidate votes as he should or talks i guess the vote voting is not open obviously but he's getting mvp mvp candidate talks jesus christ that's a kind of a tongue twister i don't know why i couldn't spit that out but regardless this should be a very interesting game the indianapolis is extremely hot right now the buccaneers got that win after their two losses in a row this game is in Tampa Bay, which should help Tampa Bay out a lot. But I mean, either way, this like I really don't know what to think about this game. I th- I mean, if I had to pick it, I think that Tampa's gonna win just because you know Tom Brady. You don't really want to sleep on Tom Brady. But I mean, if the Colts go into Tampa Bay's building and beat them up, and I mean, we just saw them beat the shit out of the Bills, and I'm, I don't even think the Bills are as good as the Bucks right now because I think the Bills are a little bit of a facade, but. I mean, if they can do that, 40... Because the thing is, it's not like they just beat them. They whooped their ass. If they can do that to a team like that, I mean, there's a shot they can do it to a team like Tampa Bay. And if Brady can just limit his mistakes, which, I mean, it's Tom Brady. He's very surgical and obviously very rarely makes mistakes. I mean, I think they should very much be in this game. I think it's going to be an extremely competitive game. I think it has a chance of being very high scoring. I think that this is going to be in a very emotional game. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens, particularly because... If you've been watching Hard Knocks midseason, you know that the Colts are on it, and you know that they're really buying into the season. They really love Jonathan Taylor there, and I think that it'd just be a great narrative overall for the show if they win this game. I think it'd be a great narrative for the NFL if they win this game. Truthfully, I think I'm rooting for the Colts just because I, I love a little bit of chaos. I love a little bit of when people don't really know what's going on. I think that it'd be really cool to see the Colts continue this run that they're on because it's genuinely amazing that they lost two games to the Titans. They could have just hung up their cleats then and there. You know, their division's not really competitive, I guess, if you want to say, because they're still decently far behind the Titans. But I mean, if they beat the Bills here, I mean, excuse me, if they beat the Bucks here and the Titans lose to the Patriots this week, I mean, the Patriots are basically first in the AFC in in totality which is fucking nuts first off but second off the colts are you know much closer to catching the titans and if they end up two games down and somehow end up neck and neck with them at the end of the year i would not be surprised but it would be absolutely amazing i'd love to see it so definitely a game you want to look out for going to be extremely interesting and i think it's going to be extremely competitive and high scoring so keep your eye on that for keep your eye out for that one 
Alright, sorry. There's gonna be a little cut there because my dogs wouldn't shut the hell up. But I think we're good now. I think this I think they're cool. I think they shut up. The next game I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers. This game has huge implications both both in the NFC playoff race, but also beyond that, I think both of these teams are just looking for a statement win, particularly in the Rams scenario, because they obviously traded for Vaughn Miller, they traded for Odell Beckham Jr., and in those two weeks where they made those very high-profile trades, they took two losses to very physical opponents and honestly got completely outclassed by those opponents between the Titans and the 49ers. They gave their 49ers, their division rivals, their first home win in nearly a year, I think it was a year, if I'm being completely honest. And now they're facing off against one of, if not the best team in the league right now, in the Packers. And the Packers are extremely beat up. There should be no excuse to the Rams not to win this game. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers is still there. Obviously, it's in Green Bay. But this is... You made these trades, you made all these moves to beat teams like this. This is a team you're going to be end up facing in the NFC playoffs let down the road. It's most likely going to be in Green Bay. So this is a game that you absolutely have to win just to get your mental right, just to prove to your team that you can win teams like this. And when you win games like this, a locker room truly buys in. I mean, coming off those two very embarrassing losses and then having to sit on them over a bye, it doesn't make... I mean, mentally, you have to imagine these guys are just fuming. They're ready to get out there, and they really want to prove that they can win this game. So, with all these injuries being said, Elton Jenkins being out for the Packers, Zaire, Jair, not Zaire, Jair Alexander still being out, Zadarius Smith still being out. Obviously, Vaughn Miller should be playing this game. He is going to be lining up against basically the third-string left tackle with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins out. There should be absolutely no excuses for the Rams here. If they don't win this game, then all their moves just really look kind of idiotic. It really looks like their all-in move is not going to pay off for them. And I truly would be very concerned with the Rams if they didn't win this game. And I think there's a very good chance they don't. I mean, it really hurts that it's in Green Bay. But again, it's a playoff atmosphere. This is these games you have to win for the locker room to buy in. I think there's going to be huge impacts if they don't win this game. Next game I really want to talk about is the Vikings at the 49ers. Both of these teams are very goddamn confusing and hard to figure out. I'm not going to lie. I still like what I'm seeing from the Vikings a little more. And this stat kind of sums up how weird the Niners have been this season. They're 1-4 at home. Their only win coming against the Rams. And they're 4-1 on the road. Their only loss being to the Cardinals, who obviously a lot of people consider to be the best team in football. So it, it's just, they're weird. They're very competitive when they travel. They're very uncompetitive when they're playing at home. Really weird. And there's going to be a lot of playoff implications in this game. Both of these teams are sitting at 500 right now. Whoever wins this game is going to be pushed over the top and squarely set in the NFC playoff race at 6-5. and five. I was actually very close to making this one of my best bets in favor of the Vikings, who are currently the underdogs. But then I kind of realized I'm... I'm really living life on the edge there. These teams are just so inconsistent. And if you want a thrilling time, I would take the Vikings. That's who I would take. I, I really love how they've been playing football. I really think that this 49ers secondary won't be able to slow down Kirk Cousins if he keeps playing the way he's been playing. And Justin Jefferson, obviously, if they keep playing the way they've been playing. But, I mean, I, I, I'm sure Justin will. It all comes down to Kirk. Kirk is really the X factor. If Kirk can play, like, even 80% of how he played last week against Green Bay, I think that they have a very 
very good shot of winning this game and again i think it could be a very thrilling bet but <laughs> i just can't make it one of my best bets but i mean you can call it like one of those for fun bets again like what i was talking about with the whoever the hell oh yeah with the ravens and browns it'll be like a similar thing you can put like 10 bucks down if you win you win if you lose you lose or whatever just don't blame me because i told you so cool <laughs> but yeah in conclusion, that's going to be a really fucking awesome game. I think these teams are going to play each other really close. I think that these teams match up against each other in very interesting ways because obviously we know the 49ers are a run-first team, and I think they're going to really try and establish this run. But Mike Zimmer's a brilliant coach. He knows that. He knows how to take away a best team, or excuse me, a team's best option. He knows how to take away the team's best plays. So overall, this is going to have very big playoff implications. This is also just a great matchup against two teams that I can't really figure out right now. So I think it's going to tell us a lot about both these teams with whoever wins this game. Moving on, we've got the Chargers at the Broncos. I, I just quickly, I don't have too much to say here. I, I like the Chargers in this game, but they need to be very careful not to fall into a trap because we know they can't stop the run for shit. On the year, they've been terrible against the run. And the Broncos run the hell out of the ball in all their wins. It's not a very good recipe for a Chargers win. And the Chargers are obviously falling back behind the Chiefs, which is just crazy to think at the beginning of the year that the, the Chiefs would come back out of nowhere and you know take this division and pretty much look like the best team. Like, And it's not too close. Justin Fields is... I mean, Justin Fields. Dude, I always confuse their name. Justin Herbert is still playing out of his mind, and I still think this is going to be a very competitive game. I, again, I still think the Chargers will win this game, but they need to be very careful. They need to tread very lightly. They need to be able to focus on fucking stopping the run because they've had such a hard time doing it all year and if they can do that they're gonna win no problem easy peasy but if they let javante williams and melvin gordon get loose i think that they could seriously be walking into a trap here on the road in denver and yeah just be careful guys all right before i end this pod i'm gonna talk about just very quickly just very briefly go over some some of the stuff that's been going on in the nba some of the stuff i've been realizing recently and Again, hopefully I can start making full episodes dedicated to the NBA. I 100% will once the, fo once the football season is over. But I have a feeling as we get into playoffs and those types of things for football, I'll probably be doing more and more NBA content because there's going to be less and less NFL content to cover. So first, I'm just going to say this. Yeah, the Bulls lost to the Rockets. Cool. I acknowledged it. Let's move on. They lost. Cool. Sucks. That's, that's super embarrassing. Bummer. All right. <laughs> I just want to talk about how close the competition seems this year. I mean, am I right? There's so many records of previous contending teams that are right around 500. I mean, let me pull it up right now because I've got it all in front of me because I was prepared for this. You think about it this way. If you just look at the Eastern Conference, you've got the Bulls with 12 wins and they're the third seed, right? The Heat are the two seed. They have 12 wins as well. But you look beneath that, it's... 11 wins from the Wizards, 12 wins from the Hornets, 11 from the Bucks, 10 from the Knicks, 10 from the Sixers, 10 from the Hawks, 10 from the Celtics. All these games, all these teams, excuse me, are just so close right now. And it's very rewarding. It's very good. I, I love that the N NBA is like this because it's never fun to know that, you know, one given team is always going to be the best team. I mean, it's never a good feeling to know that one team is always going to be the best team. They're always going to be on the top of the board. And I mean, there kind of is, but we'll get, to, we'll get to that later, particularly with the Eastern Conference. I mean, competition is just so close and the East actually seems far better this year. It's 
crazy how fast things can change. Just a couple years ago, we were complaining how loaded the West was and how it's not even close, how there's so many more All-Stars in the West Conference. And, I mean, that still might be the case, but in totality, as teams, the Eastern Conference is so much more competitive right now. There's so much more depth there. And I still think that a lot of these teams are going to separate themselves. But for now, I mean, like, they're, they're super close. They're super, super close. One of my favorite teams to watch this year in particular has been the Minnesota Timberwolves. I really hope they can keep up what they're doing. Their poor fan base deserves it. Anthony Edwards has truly been a treat to watch. He is just so goddamn talented. He is, and he's he's a great dude. I mean, he's funny as hell. He's very charming in interviews. He's explosive as all hell. Man, I, <laughs> the surprises don't stop there though. The biggest of which, in my opinion, has to be the Washington Wizards. I mean, I love their approach, and I'm really glad they got Bradley Beal some help. I know he's dealing with his own issues right now. It sounds like he's doing a lot better now. He's been on the court more consistently. But I genuinely think the Lakers messed up that trade so badly. I I, I don't know if this is like completely out there, if maybe they would have had to give up more if they wanted to do this. But I would have done the exact same trade they did but for Bradley Beal instead of Russell Westbrook. They just can't spread the floor right now. They're way too big. They're a little too old. Um, yeah, and they just don't have that perimeter presence they have. But regardless, I'm not talking about them right now. I'm talking about the Wizards. The Wizards, I mean, all the hundreds of assets they gave up, not really, but all the assets they gave up to the Wizards to go get Russell Westbrook are playing with a huge chip on their shoulder, and they're balling out. I mean, literally all of them. Kyle Kuzma's having a great year. Montrez Harrell's playing really well. Kadavius Coldwell Pope is playing really well. And, of course, Spencer Dimwitty. Great to see him healthy, playing exceptionally well. But all those role players, all those guys coming together, they're just, they have so much depth. And they got all that depth from the Lakers. <laughs> like, literally, all of their best players, not, well, you know, Bradley Beal's still there. Spencer Dinwiddie was a great free agent signing. So not all their best players, but all their best role players, all their best players that are really contributing to wins like this. Because, of course, Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie are extremely impactful on their team and extremely impactful on how they win games. But you need to fill out a roster. And their roster was literally completely filled out outside of their free agency and guys that were already there by the Lakers. And the Lakers motivated those guys extra because they felt like they deserved to stay in LA. They felt like they should have been given the opportunity to win another championship with LeBron. And I can't really blame them. So it's given them huge motivation. They're playing extremely well. Spencer Dimwitty is there. He's like the glue, if you know what I mean. He's bringing all of them together. He's facilitating the ball very well. Bradley Beal should only get better and better as the season goes on. We know how good he's been the past couple years, and I expect him to only keep going forward. So I think this team is here to stay. I think that they're going to be extremely competitive in the Eastern Conference, and good for them. I mean, it's, it's generally awesome to see that they're doing well. Of course, teams like the Nuggets and now the Lakers, which we expect once they get their core back healthy, they should be very dangerous, if not title contenders. Even though I'm not really buying into the Lakers yet, but regardless there's a lot of teams that we're waiting for a couple guys or maybe one particular guy to come back from injury and then you know we expect them to be really good and then of course you have the warriors who are literally on pace to break their win total record without clay thompson it is crazy what they are doing right now we know steph is playing like an absolute demigod 
and their second best player hasn't even stepped on the court yet. So fuck, we we fucked up. It's it's just like the Patriots in the NFL. These these teams are just so consistently good, and just when we thought that teams in their division could sleep at night because you know the king is dead. No, that no, that's not the case at all. They don't even have their second best player back yet, and they are absolutely torching everyone in the NBA. So it's been a great year for the NBA so far. It's been extremely competitive. I had a lot of fun watching it. It obviously helps that my bulls are absolutely balling right now. If you guys want to hop on some of my bets that I'm doing to today, actually, I don't know if you're gonna see this in time. This should be out before four. So if you're really on top of it, you'll hear this. If not, well, you'll know if I'm sad or happy by now. But in the 4 o'clock window, I'm taking Zach Levine over 2.5 three-pointers made. I'm taking DeMar DeRozan over 24.5 points. I'm taking Lonzo Ball over 23.5 combined points, rebounds, and assists. And then, unfortunately, Underdog Fantasy makes you pick one other player from a different team. But that's okay because I'm a Julius Randle fan, so I took Julius Randle to get over 34.5 points, rebounds, and assists combined. Um, if you guys are really on top of it, maybe you guys can hop on that with me. Let's see how much money did I put on that one? I put a $25 entry for a payout of $250. If you want to ride with me, if you want to be happy with me, if you want to be really sad with me, once it hit, once it misses, then go ahead and take that bet and best of luck to all you guys. Hopefully I can start talking about more about the NBA at the very minimum. I will have four full episodes dedicated towards it after the NFL season, as I've already stated earlier. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to share it with a friend. Be sure to let me know. Make sure to follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk. That jersey giveaway is still going on. I'm going to send another reminder about it today. I think I'm going to wrap it up in the middle of next week, something like that. Somewhere probably around, honestly, I should probably wrap it up by Monday because now I think about it, Cyber Monday might make those jerseys a little cheaper, might make it a little easier on my pockets. But regardless, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry if you can hear my fucking dogs going crazy for the 100,000th time. They're just fucking nuts. I have too many dogs. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Tune in uh, Tuesday for next week's episode. Make sure to follow Instagram at Professional Sports Talk. Thank you so much. Have a good day.